Hey, hey, here we go. Here we go, my friends. Yes, indeed. Podcast number 213. 213. And I also posted podcast 212, which is the one I did not get to last week. So if you tuned in last week looking to get podcast 212, my most recent one at that time, it's not there, but it's here. So if you're listening to 213, you can back it up and uh, look for the podcast before this. And whatever list you're checking me out on, you can find podcast number 212. So I apologize about that. It's a really sweet podcast about an amazing moment. And, uh, you know, basically, I just got to say that last week, I, honestly, these past 10 days have been just mentally slightly brutal at my day job and other miscellaneous things. And, you know, there was like a five-day period there where basically I couldn't find my keys. I couldn't find my glasses. I had trouble finding my wallet. I was dropping things, breaking things, not finding things, having trouble tracking items at work. Uh, yeah, just, you know, it's just one of those time frames where there's a lot of weird compression, my friends. So Tuesday night, I actually created the entire podcast. I edited it, edited it, had music in there. And then, oh, I went to the dojo and I came back. Oh, my brother was hanging out. And it just, all of a sudden, it was Wednesday night. And I thought, oh, I I didn't post that podcast. So many apologies, my friends, many apologies. But we're getting back at it. We're getting back at it. So let me catch up here. Podcast number 212. This one's called Seattle. 1994, right? I was rocking Seattle in 1994. And let me tell you, Seattle in the early 90s was just, early to mid 90s was an incredible time to be there. I, I showed up in Seattle in early 1992, I believe. Uh, maybe, maybe spring, spring, summer, 1992. Can't quite remember. But all I know is that Nirvana just went national before I got there. And so did Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. So when I got to Seattle, Seattle was totally alive in the music scene. And people were moving there in droves. Oh, my word. And I was talking to people that had been living there for years. And they were like, oh, you think, you think it's great living here now. You should have been here two years ago or even last year before all these bands went national because they were all rocking the bars up in Seattle, like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Sub Pop was big, and even bands I, I can't even recall at this moment were just playing all these bars. So the scene was just so alive. And then they went national, right? I guess Bumper Shoot in 1993 was uh, a life-altering experience. <laughs> Uh, that's a music festival in Seattle. Uh, yeah, so I showed up. It was just, it was so alive. It was so alive. And I got to tell you, normally I refer to Seattle as rain city because it, it's just very moist and it does rain a lot. It mostly mists a lot, but there's a, a lot of wetness in the air. And uh, I normally call it rain city. But right now I got to tell you, it's also known as the Emerald City. 
And man, when I was there, it just shined. Uh, we hardly saw the sun, it, but it shined so bright. Emerald, brilliant, green, just glow. When I first moved to Seattle, I didn't see the sun for 21 days. But I got to tell you, man, it, it is it, to even think about my time in Seattle from 1992 until uh, all the way through 1996 was just it warms my heart to this day. Just so incredible. And I'll tell you what, I was living free. I was living free, going to a lot of concerts, riding my bike nonstop, didn't own a car. Eventually, my uncle gave me a car, which is one of the few cars that I've owned in my lifetime. But uh, actually, I've owned three and uh, no, currently five, but four of them were given to me. Okay, just a quick rundown. My older brother gave me a 1986 Dodge Dart. I wish I still had it. Actually, I think it was a 1966 Dodge Dart. Total beater, green, called it booger. Couldn't, uh, snotty green, right? And I couldn't drive it at night because the lights didn't work. Check that out. So he kicked that down to me. And then the next car that was given to me was... Uh, the, my, the a Datsun B210, pretty sweet rides. Wish I had that car. Uh, my uncle gave me that. And then my co-worker died, Merlin, Merlin McCulley, bless his spirit. What a guy. He gave me his uh, 1987 Isuzu Trooper. I named Susie. <laughs> loved that car. Loved, loved that car. Drove that car into the ground. And uh, I'll save that for another story. But um, and then my father passed away. I got his 1987 Camaro, which I still have. And then the first car, the first car and the only car I've ever bought was the car I'm driving right now, which is a Pontiac Vibe. Pretty sweet ride. And I think that's just a great little sub story to this story, because I rode my bike nonstop in Seattle and and here's the thing. This is why I'm talking about Seattle 1994, because the music scene was just, oh, it was on fire and sub pop was big and, you know, post grunge, indie rock, all that was just throwing down. The bar scenes were just so alive and there were so many musicians living in Seattle trying to hit it big. And uh, the art scene was just gigantic. There were so many artists there. And then commuting, bicycling. There was that movie that came out about Seattle. can't remember the name of it, but they had a number of scenes about just bicycling in Seattle. And that's where I, that's where I, you know, worked on my chops. You know, I were, I got deep chops for bicycling in Seattle and uh, commuting nonstop. And uh, th I mean, that went on for another 15 years and 10 straight years riding my bicycle all winter long in Boise, Idaho until my coworker gave me his car, the Isuzu Trooper. You know, but the great thing about really rocking it in Seattle, like spending so much time on a bike, is that I, I really, I dug deep into the bicycling culture in Seattle. And I tried to get a job as a bicycle courier, but, you know, all that didn't work out as well. And then we were doing the music scene. And, and uh, you know, there was this band that was coming up in Seattle called Sunny Day Real Estate. And apparently their early albums are like just such a big deal with the emo scene. Like it's just this thing. I, and I don't even think the band members w really wanted that to unfold that way. But 
I got to tell you, that's how it unfolded, right? And part of it is, I'm bringing this up because I had a memory uh, a couple days ago. I was in the Boise Bicycle Project working on my bike. It's a community-based bicycle center. I can go in there and I pay a member. You know, I got a yearly membership fee. I can go use all their tools and their bike stands, and they have people there to help you when you can't figure stuff out. And and uh, one day I was in there and they were rocking some sunny day real estate, and it just you know it took me back. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right, sunny day real estate. Uh, because that band was coming up, and I can't really remember how all these connections worked, but come to find out that there was a bike shop that opened up at this home, right? Because I knew this bicyclist, he worked on bikes a lot. Uh, him and this other guy worked at bike shops as mechanics, and they always wanted to open up their own bike shop, mechanic shop. And uh, somehow they opened it up in the back of this house that they rented which was a really big house. And the guy that I was kicking it with, my good friend and roommate at the time, Todd, we all, we all hung out. We knew, the, oh, yeah, this is how it was. <laughs> I just had this memory. This is great. This is great. When I first moved to Seattle, this should actually, uh, yeah, when I first moved to Seattle, I got accepted uh, at the University of Washington, and I moved to the U District. And then I was hanging out in the, uh, billiard hall. I was shooting some pool and I met this guy named Dave Davey. Check that out. Yeah, he was good friends with Todd Nibbler, but yeah, Dave Davey, right? We we kind of connected shooting pool and he's like, hey man, you should you, you should come hang out with, with my friends tonight. And uh, he was talking about some good cannabis, right? Which I was doing quite a lot of at the time. I don't do any drugs right now. I don't even drink coffee right now. But I do do tea, so there's some caffeine in there. But this is part of the story. Uh, he's like, I'm pretty sure you smoke the kind green, you know, some 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 John, uh, uh, some cannabis, right? <laughs> some of the ganja. And uh, so he's like, you should come hang out with my friends. We're all going to be kicking it over there. So I walk in. He takes me over there. We walk to his place in the U District, and we're we're just kicking it, right? And in that moment is like Todd Nibbler, Dave Davey, Dave's first wife, and Drew was there, right? And they're talking about, we smoked a bunch of herb, and they're talking about doing some LSD, you know, and, and uh, they're like all 100, do you, you know, because everybody paused for a minute. And they were like, oh, yeah, I could sense. They were like, oh, I wonder if we should be talking about LSD with this guy. And they asked me, they're like, do you do, you do acid? And I said, you know what? I've done an incredible amount of acid, but I don't do any acid right now. This was back in 1992. I was like, because every time I came down off acid, my whole like view and perception changed. And one day I stopped doing it and I liked how things were viewed, my perception. So I haven't been doing that, but I'm open to doing that. And they all started laughing and, and uh, we just started hanging out. And, and Drew and I got a pretty good connection so now i'm hanging out with todd we're all living together you know dave davies in the mix and drew was there and you know he's a big bicyclist i'm a big bicyclist we just started connecting as bicyclists and man i gotta tell you that was so sweet just having somebody that really knew a lot about bicycles and i'd spent my whole life on a bicycle at that time i did not own a car and i was just biking everywhere and um Come to find out, Drew and his friend, I cannot remember the guy. I want to say it was Greg, but I don't think it was. He worked at like Green Lake Cycles or something. 
they ended opening up their uh, bike shop at the back of this house that they were renting, right? And they, they called it, the name of the bike shop was Bottom Bracket. And I got my work done in there. I smoked herb with people there. We hung out there. And guess who else lived there was most of the band of Sunny Day Real Estate. And they used to practice in their basement, right? Which I think was just a totally, totally super sweet thing. I mean, sweet beyond, beyond measure. It was such a great time to be kicking it with Sunny Day Real Estate, listening to them practice and then going to their shows and hanging out. I ended up having a really decent relationship with the, uh, the lead singer, Jeremy. I mean, we kicked it a bit, not a huge amount, right? And I, I, I remember interacting with the drummer at the time. Um, his name escapes me for the moment. Hang in there. Hang in there. Uh, I think it's Matt. No, it's William. That's right. William Goldsmith. And then the guitarist, I remember, I think for the longest time, we used to think his name was Frank. <laughs> and, uh, man, that went on until one day he was like, oh, my name's not Frank. And we were just, just totally stunned. But we mostly were hanging out the house to go hang out with, with, uh, Drew at bottom bracket, right? And there were many times we would listen to Sunny Day Real Estate uh, jam late into the night. And then one time after the band, we were smoking a bunch of herb and Drew and I took some some really clean LSD, right? And uh, we just were hanging out, waiting to ride our bikes, just industrially riding through the city late night just like in skateboard mode but on bicycles man just ripping shredding through the city all night long on bicycles tripping on acid yeah a little crazy a little crazy but we had a great time oh i'll never <laughs> can't really forget that night and the guy we were with he wasn't quite the bicyclist that we were and after you know the first eight 12 minutes he kind of pulled out and then a few days later he's like yeah i could tell you guys wanted to go deep i can't hang like that so i just i took a different route and went to go hang with different friends and yeah it's really interesting and i'm bringing this up for a number of reasons because one it's a great story and two it goes back to well just bicycling and sunny day real estate because apparently on their first album if you read all the the messaging that goes on in it they talk about hanging out at a house in Seattle, could be 15th Street, but with the with the bike shop bottom bracket in their backyard. And here I am hanging out, you know, at bike shops, listening to Sunny Day Real Estate, just recalling these incredible times we had with the band and and uh, partying and bicycling and just everything. Just what an incredible experience in Seattle, 1994. Now, of course, Sunny Day Real Estate broke up. And then later, you know, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana committed suicide. He, he's gone. So both the bands break up. And then, uh, you know, there's a number of reasons why Sunny Day Real Estate broke up. But anyways, they've disbanded. Nirvana's disbanded. And then, you know, part of Nirvana hooks up with, I'm going to read a little bit of this. I'm going to read a little bit of this. 
here we go, here we go. Sorry about that. David Kroll from Nirvana, right? So he didn't start a solo career. He decided to form a band. Through his wife, he met Nate Mendel, the bassist for Sunny Day Real Estate. Shortly before the pair met, Jeremy Enick, the lead singer of Sunny Day Real Estate, had converted to Christianity and quit the band. That's one of the theories, or it could be true, effectively ending the group's career. Uh, not only did Mendel join Kroll's band, but so did uh, Sunny Day Real Estate's drummer, William Goldsmith. And then what did they become Is the are the Foo Fighters. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's so amazing. I remember when the Foo Fighters started to get really big, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that's the drummer. I kicked it with that guy, right? <laughs> and even to this day, I mean, the Foo Fighters, I like them a lot. When I, when I hear them, I always think that, oh, yeah, that's right. They're the culmination of Nirvana and what was left of Sunny Day Real Estate for a number of years. I mean, William Goldsmith has since left the Foo Fighters, well, a while back, but then actually spent a number of years bringing back Sunny Day Real Estate. And then apparently in 2010, they had a full revival tour, something like that, or 2018. I'm not 100% sure. Um I mean, I guess I could get into it a little bit more, but there's no real need. I just think it's amazing that I, you know, I spend so much time time hanging out with Drew at in bottom bracket riding bicycles, kicking it with Sunny Day Real Estate. And then, you know, they things break up. They form the Foo Fighters and the Foo Fighters are going strong, even though William's not there anymore. It's just it's an incredible memory of what it means to be or what it meant to be kicking it in Seattle in 1994. And I think about that whenever I, I hear Sunny Day Real Estate. I think about those times kicking it with Drew and they weren't all drug enhanced. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Drew and I spent a lot of time just biking and having a good time and kicking it and hanging out and working on bikes. And, and uh, you know, Drew, Drew set me up on a bicycle with the, uh, a brake lever that had two um, a barrel adjuster so I could have front and rear brakes. I mean, he really upgraded my bicycling potential. And he was a very good friend. I, I don't really know what happened to Drew. You know, I ended up moving to Boise in 1997 and, and all that just kind of dissipated, you know, and now it's, now it's what, 2021? Wow. Just amazing times, amazing times, amazing memories. And a lot of that is kind of coming back up because I'm spending more time on a bicycle and spending time at the Boise Bicycle Project and they are playing some sunny day real estate and it's just sweet, sweet memories. Okay, my friends, there we go. There we go. Podcast number 213 and I'll try to stay a little more on par. I apologize for not kicking out that last podcast, 212, but give that a listen. That's an interesting, amazing moment of an experience also. And then I'll be back next week with podcast number 214. What will it be? You'll just have to tune in to see. And with that, my friends, be cool, stay safe. See, I told you, he's strange and wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets. <laughs>